the alternative stories and fake realities podcast audio drama poetry fiction The Sylvia Platt Literary Festival will mark the 90th birthday of the legendary poet and coincide with the publication of After Sylvia, an inspiring anthology of new poems and essays in celebration of her life and work. The weekend festival will feature talks, readings, workshops and events at venues across Hebden Bridge and Heptonstall over the weekend of the 21st and 23rd of October. Please visit the festival website at plathfest.co.uk for more details and to buy tickets for events. In this podcast, we'll be hearing from some of the poets who will be appearing at the festival. We'll hear how Plath's work has influenced their own, what Sylvia Plath means to them, and listen to them reading their work. All of the poets recording for this podcast recorded on their own devices. So the sound quality may vary a little. We hope this doesn't affect your enjoyment of the programme. We start with Polly Atkin. Polly's acclaimed collection, Much With Body, Seven Books, was a Poetry Book Society selection and long-listed for the 2022 Laurel Prize. My name is Polly Atkin. I'm going to read two poems, one which I wrote for the After Sylvia anthology called Not Dying. Not Dying is drawn from my own experiences, but also speaks back to quite a few of Sylvia's poems. I'm particularly interested in her hospital poems and the way she writes about the body. And this poem is particularly in conversation with her poem I Am Vertical. Not Dying Not dying is not the same as being reborn. You may feel like it, shaking like a foal after fever. Not dying might feel like life, but life is not not dying. It is merely going on. There's no miracle in that. Coming to and realising your heart is intact and not gone off as you thought in the night that your arm has not exploded, your throat not closed, that you passed through the pit of a hundred centuries and rose up like the sun, a gold lion pouring at your sickness. And yes, lying down is not dying, even when you would rather pull up the turf to your chin like a blanket and sleep along sleep in the dark of the earth, starless, because being upright is not not falling any more than falling is the same as failing, any more than the moon is sad because her mouth is open, giving out what she has taken, as though not hoarding what was never your own is generous. The moon is no plagiarist, only she can do what she does. Nothing is made out of nothing. We lie down, we get up, Something is lost, or gained, or both. We are dying quicker, or slower than we think. This is my secret. I keep passing myself from night to day, so a light is always shining. 
The second poem I'm going to share with you today is called Borders Gothic and it's from my second poetry collection, Much With Body. And it's based on a lot of legends of boggles that live hereabouts in Cumbria, which are kinds of hauntings but not quite as simple as ghosts as the poem I hope shows. Borders Gothic You will meet it as a corner you cannot turn, a gate flung open, a muffled struggle off-road, in the woody murk where the old track hums under mulch and brambles. You will be a traveller in the midst, alone. It will throw itself into your bag as a weight so heavy you cannot go on. It will block your path in the body of a bone-white calf or lady, eyes like swollen moons, its voice the splash of stones thrown in deep water. It will howl. It will sit at your feet and sink through the bog of the tarmac with a glug like a rock or a woman being dropped in a mire. It will cry three times from the shore. It will carry its coffin or its head or its child in its hands. It will follow you home. It will make you promises. You will try to rid your house of it, the radiant boy of it, heirloom drab of it. You will take it still screaming to see and drown it. You will bury it day after day and find it always back where it started. Its lamp casting light through every window. Its small skull shrieking, I know, I know, I know. Please join me, Hannah Hodson and Betty Doyle for our reading at the Sylvia Plath Festival. I'm so looking forward to it and being part of the festival. And also join Hannah and I for a workshop that we're doing on writing and disability. It's really fantastic that the festival is accessible virtually and in person. So if, like me, you can't travel to Hebden Bridge, you can still take part and you can still listen. So please do join us at the Sylvia Plath Festival. Jessica Mukherjee is a poet and writer of Bangladeshi origins who was brought up in South Wales. Her latest collection, Tigress, is published by Nine Arches Press. Hello, my name's Jessica Mukherjee and I'm the author of two collections of poetry from Nine Arches Press. Tigress and Notes from the Shipwreck. And I will read two poems that are influenced by Sylvia Plath. The first poem I'll read is Night Song, which is my response to one of Sylvia's poems called Morning Song. Night Song. A bloody push in a cold night, coated with stars. You and I, animals, lugging our fists through amnion and oxygen. I must have fallen at your feet. Did I hurt you? Did they sew you up? 
I must have been the whirling girl of excitement, grinning at the welcoming committee of midwives and nurses. Encore. Encore. Attached to every shining thing around me, I looked for you. I turned. We both watched the cold moon outside the hospital. Both polite, pretending to sleep. I clung onto your heartbeat. That familiar clock, but set to the wrong time. When I cried out, I was calling to someone outside. And the second poem I'll read is a poem that's inspired by Sylvia Plath's famous poem, Daddy. And this is my response. It's from Tigris and it's called Kindred. Kindred. His love was a kind of absence. Signed letters, your loving daddy. I asked him to be kind once. His family fractured into a sneer and a memory of who received a birthright, a son, the prayers. Wouldn't recall good about his dead brother. Told me about his mother, how she kept a barn of rice through famine and watched village girls fight with their daughters for the bowls she handed to them. He called me kind once. It sounded like an insult. I was afraid to love, in case my love was violent, like his. He gave me the same pump-hard, drumbeat, horse-race heart that he had. He taught me to stay away from the heart's fury. He didn't teach me that love was surrender, although he had given up. I no longer believe him. All his angry words from darkness, or even believe in his absence, my heart can call out to a kindness. Yet, I won't wash his dead body. He has other daughters for that. I was bred to send spells into his pyre, to intone Sanskrit names of God, as if I had been his son. Daniel Fraser is a writer and academic living in Hebden Bridge, West Yorkshire, where Plathfest will take place. Um, so, uh, thinking about uh, what Sylvia Plath means for me and for my work, um, I guess being from Hebden Bridge and, uh, you know, growing up in the area of Heptonstall, when I think about uh, Sylvia Plath, there's always two very different, but I suppose intertwined responses or threads. The first is very personal and biographical. So, the, I mean, the gravesite in, Hept- in Heptonstall was familiar to me from a very early age. 
My grandmother, Mary, uh, the person I was closest to as a child, uh, is buried there, uh, one row in front of, of Plath, and family of friends and friends of the family are buried there too. So um, it also means that somewhat morbidly, I experienced Plath first as a, de- as a dead poet um, and one closely tied to my own first experiences of death. Um, so that my own poetry is often elegiac in tone is perhaps rooted in this kind of weird constellation. Um, and uh, her poems about the area, those like Hardcastle Crags, uh, November Graveyard, and Black Rook in wet, Rainy Weather uh, remain very close to me as you know, both elegies of places, but also those that mark my own place of elegy. Um, the second... Um, and I guess more obvious is my encounter with the poetry, um, which uh, came most forcefully when I was about 16, um, buying the Aerial Restored Edition, the one with the facsimile drafts and typescripts in it, um, which was the first one of uh, Plas books that I owned myself, um, and one of the first poetry books that I actually owned myself. Um, Having grown up living more or less in or above the second-hand bookshops that my father ran and still runs, uh, there are always books around, but often not for very long. So the book's inclusion of the materials of poetry, the drafts and typescripts and so on, meant that I was able to see a poet working for the first time. So I was able to see, however immature and, and dreadful my own efforts were at the time, you know, how it was done. And then the most memorable thing then was the first encounter with the B poems there, the ones that, you know, close the volume, B meeting, arrival of the B box, uh, stings, wintering and the swarm that, you know, were just like at the time were just a shock to the system, this kind of force of image, energy and style that was completely new to me and which I still find there when I return to these poems. And those are the ones of hers that I reread the most often the way that the bees move in the lines between thought and body, consciousness and being, uh, woman and world, uh, it will always be astonishing to me. So the poem I'm going to read is called Orgreave, uh, that was first published in the London magazine. Um, Orgreave is obviously a place in South Yorkshire um, and was the site of uh, perhaps the most infamous battle in the miners' strike. One thing uh, for the poem that might be useful to know is that uh, when the BBC first reported uh, the incident, uh, the footage was edited and shown out of order so that when it was seen on the news, uh, it appeared that the miners had attacked the police first rather than the other way around. And uh, it took them over a decade to apologise and they put it down to an editorial error. A policeman's fist sucks the bruise from the face of a man whose world is expanding. Lost damage spills outward like a star. He swallows a scream and backpedals into the crowd, unclenching blunt hands in a heave of sweat. Dogs lays in dry, retreating scrub. The knock of shield drums hushes to a purr of leaves. Silica crawls from easing lungs, its absence sweet as licorice. Soldiers stitch numbers on borrowed coats, get redeployed to foreign soil. The trees shrink, dawn falls and wheeling swifts decloud the ridge. A black seam tingles in the earth, glittering and glittering, 
the gloss of light in the eyes of millions of creatures just waiting to be born. Michael Crowley lives in Heptonstall, West Yorkshire, where Sylvia Plath is buried. As a poet, he has three published collections. Michael's contribution was recorded from Heptonstall over a less-than-perfect Zoom connection. My name is Michael Crowley, and I live in the village of Heptonstall, where Sylvia Plath is buried. Um, a significant part of Sylvia Sylvia's poetry concerns the wider area around here and as a reader I think they are terrific, terrific poems and stylistically I don't think they've aged at all, they feel very current. As a writer um, they have encouraged me to write about the same landscape and the landscape itself really urges one to write and I'm going to read three poems which are drawn from my two collections about the area really. I won't say too much about them because I think they speak for themselves. So I'm going to start with a poem just called The Village about our times here. The Village. It is 11 years since we came here. We are weathering in. The winter village is itself. Moss on stone, on mud it knows. And we sink in inch by inch under skies stolen from Turner. In summer, it feels defeated by visitors stooping over handlebars, off-roading into the car park to look for a coiner's or a poet's grave. I look to the abandoned hawthorn humps, fancying a fox is sleeping there, but no, any one of a hundred dogs would, would have put paid to that. In the churchyard and other trees cut down that a roundhead would have pissed against. It is trees and stones and cars jostling for space, the bones of ruins forced to the surface by the crowded world below. On the tower of the old church where they watch for the royalist army, barn owls nest year upon year, as rare in England now as understatement. On June nights, we wait for its flight, the slow strokes beating our silence, the glow from its wings remaining until we awaken by the scream. We plant seeds at the foot of lampposts and there is a prayer hole in foster wood. So yeah, that was my take on the village of Heptonstall. This is, um, the about the tribulations of gardening up here on the on the edge of the Pennines and it's just called Heptonstall Garden in June. The hillside knows it doesn't have long in the sun of only weeks, the restless summers nervous as a chaffinch. I wait for the laburnum to show, to catch up with the roan and the birch, watch the Irish swords grow and hold the symmetries of a fern that begin in my palm and end in shadow. Everything up here is said at once. We were late to come to each other. Where was I before when we were on the valley floor during the slow summers? We work at the edge of evening through a frenzy of midges, lie down with the blind half closed, 
a pheasant crows, thrums its wings. And lastly, that's the, those two are from my collection called The Battle of Hampton Storm. And large, lastly, I'd like to read a poem um, from my first collection, which is called First Fleet. And um, just over the wall from where Sylvia is buried, I have a, a big allotment garden. And I've always, <laughs> I've lived in cities, you know, all my life. And apart from where I grew up, which was very green, but um, from university onwards, it was just backyards. And so I was thrilled to get a really large garden. And the first thing I did was attempt to dig a pond. Um, and this is simply called Pond. I dig in slow swings for four days. The hillside breaks two shafts, snaps a fork, sends me to the surgery. In the end, the grave digger comes, scoops a pit big enough for a family. I stand in it, palms on my back, rest my head against clay under an April field. A spider, fat as a current, teeters on an edge, legs testing the ground above Atlantis. After a week of puddling and sloping the sides, I line it, fill it, my breath slowing as water climbs, holds its nerve at the brim. I watch it for a summer, a winter, black and thick and clear, till it teems with itself. Come spring, I lie down, tap the surface like a painted wall. I'm waiting for the newts I knew as a boy, fetched home in tins to a basin in the garden. I'd emptied the woodland pond of them. Frogs call, expecting rain. A pair of crocodile eyes behind an iris. I hold my breath. My hand crawls towards it, then withdraws. A skater flicks to another shore. Well, thank you. And that's the sort of close-up world of um, Healthampton Storm. Plath's influence has been an enduring one since her untimely death in 1963. Here's Maya, an A-level literature student, on discovering Plath through her only novel, The Bell Jar. Hi, I'm Maya. I'm 16 and studying English at A-level. I read my English teacher's copy of Sylvia Plath's The Bell Jar a couple of years ago and was completely gripped. I was hooked by the relatable element to the book. Everyone's felt out of place somewhere they thought they would love, and that's exactly how Esther felt in The Bell Jar. It discusses themes of mental health, which is so prevalent in today's society, especially for teenagers. Maureen Boyle is a poet who was born in Straban, County Tyrone, and educated at Trinity College, Dublin. Her poems have been published in several magazines and journals. My name is Maureen Boyle. I'm a poet and a writer and I live in Belfast. I'm delighted to be coming over to Hebden Bridge for the first ever Plath Festival to honour Plath in what would have been her 90th birthday. Her poetry has been so important to me um, in my own writing and in my teaching, um, particularly for its imagery and its creation of dramatic voice. 
the poem of mine that I'm going to read, I suppose, is the one that most pays tribute to her at the end. Uh, there's a nod to the end of Ariel. The poem's called Christmas Box. There is honey and chocolate on our doorstep since Christmas. Sweet box and coral flower, one on either side. The euchre with ruffled cocoa-coloured leaves hunkers in the corner. But the saracoca or sweet box is where we step inside by design so that on nights as dark as winter and full of storm we brush the bluff squat shrub and boots and coats trail the scent of summer into the hall. Its flowers are what are left of flowers, petals blown away, spindly threads ghostly in the leaves, the odd early bloodberry that follows. Its genus, Confusa, is right. From so frail a bloom, a scent so big, as if the bees have nested in it and are eager for their flight. Thank you to Polly Atkin, Jessica Mukherjee, Daniel Fraser, Michael Crowley and Maureen Boyle for contributing their poems and observations to this podcast. We'll post links in the show notes so that you can find out more about all of them. This podcast has been presented by Tiffany Clare and Chris Gregory. To end, here's Tiffany with further details on how you can find out more about the festival and book tickets for events. Find out more about Plathfest by visiting the festival website at plathfest.co.uk or follow the festival on social media by searching Plathfest on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. If you've enjoyed this selection of poems, you may enjoy another Alternative Stories production, the Seren Poetry Podcast, featuring extended interviews with nine of the UK's leading poets including Polly Atkin, who you heard in this podcast, and readings from their latest collections. The podcast will get to the heart of what it means to be a poet and look at influences, writing techniques and practice, as well as looking in depth at particular poems. You can find us in your favourite podcast app by searching for the Seren Poetry Podcast. This has been an Alternative Stories 2022 production for the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast. The Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast. Audio drama, poetry, fiction.